Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome today to our podcast for Jewish Women in Comics, Bodies and Borders, a new collection published by Syracuse University Press. My name is Sarah Lightman, and I'm one of the co-editors, along with Heike Bauer and Andrea Greenbaum. Today, I'm delighted to have a number of contributors to this volume, and I'm delighted to have them talk about their work that they put into the collection and also their current projects. Let me tell you why I co-edited this volume. I've often found that when I do academic projects, they reflect where I am in my life and parallel and accompany my creative endeavours as an artist and writer. I've always wanted to make a contribution to Jewish creative life and culture, and I've always been driven to record and recover Jewish women's voices. So I came to edit this collection after two other editorial projects about Jewish women in comics, including my first book, Graphic Details, Jewish Women's Confessional Comics in Essays and Interviews, that uh, recorded and was a a kind of catalogue to an exhibition I co-curated called Graphic Details that opened in nine museums over six years with tens of thousands of visitors. I was very aware that exhibitions open and close and there's never always something to hold on to after an exhibition has gone. And I wanted to collect the work of these Jewish women and put them in a book so they could be looked at after the exhibition had ended. Then in 2015, I I co-edited another journal about contemporary comics by Jewish women, again with Heike and Andrea. And we wanted then to collect a new collection, this time around a theme. The theme I was thinking about was about the body. I just had my first child, and I found I was living inside and outside my body all the time. I was aware of the ways in which my body was seen as a Jewish woman and a Jewish mother, and I was aware also of the pressures around me to have another child. I felt my body both belonged to me and also to others, including my own son. I'd also attended many graphic medicine conferences. Graphic medicine is an area of comics that explores the interface of comics and medicine, and I wanted to collect today together comics about Jewish women's bodies and see how they explored illness and mental health in their work. When you edit a collection, it can often be quite an autobiographical experience, and I was surprised that so much of my own life experiences were somehow articulated on the pages and texts of these, in these drawings. It's a powerful experience to see yourself somehow unfold in an academic project. For example, in our introduction, Heike, Andrea and I discussed how we delayed editing because of illnesses. The, the project took six years, and... In between those years, not only had we had COVID, but ourselves and our loved ones had had cancer and surgery, dementia, and many other illnesses. And if you look in this collection, we have comics by Nancy K. Miller about her own cancer experiences and Marissa Moss about her own dying husband. As someone who grew up in a traditionally orthodox family and chose to become more orthodox when she was younger, I was also aware of the ways that Jewish women's bodies are demarcated, controlled, organised through those laws and those of the religious society. I wanted to see how those experiences could be presented on the comics page and how comics reflected a very particular Jewish women's experience. I was very excited then to include a chapter in this book by Noelia Kohn about religious mummy comics, the Haredi women's experience through comics. And I think that adds a very important and perhaps unknown world of comics making. But even in less orthodox communities, Jewish women's bodies and the changes they go through are recorded in comics and are recorded in this collection. For example, in Amy Kurtzwell's work, we look at how her grandmother talks about having a period in the Warsaw Ghetto and how you're given a slap on your cheek when you get your first period. 
Carol Isaacs, also known as the Surreal McCoy, talks about the Marks and Spencers underwear that her parents would give to their Iraqi friends, but they cut out the labels so as not seen to support a Jewish-owned business. Equally, Helen Bledgerman's work draws about her mother's mental health issues and how they would have meals in the toilet, a bathroom area, because that's where the mother felt safe and comfortable. In our introduction, we also talked about the theme of borders, not just being geographic, but also about self and our different understandings of Jewish identity. We've included works by Nino Binyashvili, who was born in Georgia, moved to Sweden, and then to Israel, and her understanding of being Jewish changed with each place she lived. We also feature an interview with Emil Ferris, who discusses how she only knew she was Jewish later in her life, as her mother was a crypto-Jew and had links all the way back to the Spanish Inquisition. Part of what I was finding out whilst editing this collection was about how to see and experience my Jewish identity in my own work in relation to others. I draw about myself, but I also draw about how I relate to the wider comics community around me. And it's really exciting today to have these four contributors um, talk about their work. And I found also how their work reflects my own interests and journey. Ephraim Sicker writes about his work, my work, and that of Corinne Perlman with reference to other Jewish women writers and how Corinne is both outside her community, but also struggling with aspects of her identity like I have. We have um, Rebecca Katz and Mira Sukharov who write about, their, in their very original contribution, they write about Jewish summer camps. And I myself went to Jewish summer camps and very much um, remember the activities they draw and write about, which are both, I find, quite manipulative, but also kind of ridiculous at the same time, but were a very powerful way to instill a Zionist identity within us. And finally, we've got Jenny Kaplan, whose work on memory and nostalgia, I feel, reflects some of the deepest reasons I edited this volume in the first place. Jenny writes very eloquently about how the works of Miriam Caton, Leanna Fink and Leela Corman bring voices to comics that we might not even realise are absent. When we think about Jewish comics, often we'll think about Will Eisner and Art Spiegelman, but in those works... They're very much from the male gaze and the male comic artist experience. And we don't even know, you don't even realise at the time, you're missing a whole set of experiences and views. And so in final comment here, I think one of the key issues to this collection is you don't always know the story and comics you're missing. And that's a really important reason to collect so many comics and writings together in one volume to ensure in the future when we teach when we, dis- when we explain or when we want to portray Jewish identity, we're missing less and less voices and less and less comics. And in this beautifully reproduced collection, the artwork showcases Jewish women's comics and writings to reflect and perhaps inspire even more Jewish women comic artists today. I'm now going to hand over to Rebecca Katz and Mira Sukharov to talk about their contribution and about themselves. So firstly, I'll hand over to you, Rebecca. Please tell us about yourself and your contribution to this volume. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm Rebecca Katz. I am a Brooklyn cartoonist, artist and educator. I am currently working on, I mean, on the theme of uh, borders and boundaries and bodies, I am currently working on a comic about my son's circumcision and how that relates to uh, ideas of Jewish belonging and peoplehood and passing on tradition. So um, I'm actually going to pass it on to Mira to, to get us started about like the root of this comic, since she was really the one who uh, planted the seed. Great. Yeah, I'd like to uh, tell you a little bit about how Rebecca and I found each other. I'm Mira Sukharov, and I'm a professor of political science at Carleton University. And uh, I have my most recent book is an actual text based memoir called Borders and Belonging with Paul Grave Macmillan. But before it became a text memoir, I had hoped it would be a full length graphic memoir. And what appears in uh, Sarah's edited volume is. Uh, a short piece 
from that uh, proposed project. So what had happened was I was on Facebook, which I'm often on to engage in conversation about identity and Jewish life and Israel-Palestine as well, which is my primary area of research. And I had mentioned that one that I was thinking about Jewish summer camp that evening and that one year the escape from Russia program, the simulation program whereby we as 14-year-old campers were given roles as Soviet Jewry refuseniks to uh, try to get to Palestine, aka Israel. And I said it was such a success that the following year our counselors created a program for us called Escape from the Holocaust. And I was trying to be a little bit wry and a little bit witty. I mean, it was all true, but I was sort of uh, uh, in delighting in the sort of ridiculousness of, of all of this that Sarah alluded to, sort of the over-the-top way of inculcating Jewish identity and Jewish connection to Israel. And my uh, the Facebook post just started being populated rapidly with emojis and reactions. And then I felt a little guilty because I said, I had said that this would be in my forthcoming graphic memoir, but I didn't yet have an artist. So I felt I should come clean and say, well, it will be in my forthcoming graphic memoir artist pending. And Rebecca had seen the post and said, can I toss in my name? And I was thrilled because I actually knew Rebecca's work because just a couple of months earlier, Rebecca had published a a short comic about her time at Vassar College as an undergraduate studying Israel-Palestine and having new revelations and new ideas seeping in. And she was playing with very similar ideas that I had about how we grow up in certain milieus in, in a Jewish environment, and then our eyes are opened at certain key junctures. So Rebecca and I started rapidly talking and and an artistic collaboration emerged. And while it hasn't led to a full-fledged graphic memoir, um, the memoir ended up being sole authored by me, and it is a prose memoir. And of course, I had to learn that genre as well. Um, And I I, I did manage to learn it through the help of various writing mentors. I'll just shout out to Shulam Dean right now. Rebecca and I did manage to write a short piece, standalone piece, and that collaboration and an excerpt of that piece is profiled in Sarah's book. And when I first saw Mira's post, it so deeply resonated with me. I went to Jewish day school for 12 years in New York and camp for six years. And, um, a memory I think about a lot is a, a teacher in high school and during a Holocaust literature, uh, class asking us to choose from a list of names who we would save and who we would let die during the Holocaust. So I was very, very familiar with the ways in which uh, Jewish Jewish institutions can use um, the transmitting of trauma as a way to um, bind you to Jewish community, to Jewish identity. And um, hearing their story, it just really clicked up in my head and I immediately saw it visually and wanted to be a part of telling it. And now I kind of, now that you're mentioning that anecdote of yours about who to save and who to let, let perish, I kind of wish we had gone with your version. It's even more astounding and and shocking. Wow. That I don't think that would pass a teacher education 101 these days. And what I really loved about um, Escape from Russia is the tying of Soviet Jewry to the Holocaust, um, to tie those two stories together and to think about how do we teach more modern types of um, Jewish exodus, Jewish freedom, and come right back <laughs> to the Holocaust in every case. What I'm quite excited to ask you is what do you think comics is able to give you as as an artist as an academic and also a writer what kind of a creative space is it to um explore or to give a possibility of presenting that something else couldn't yeah i'll jump in there um i the first well i guess the first graphic even though it wasn't the very first but it's probably the first that most of us knew was of course mouse by um art spiegelman um, and so I read that in the, I guess in the early nineties, I think both volumes were out by then. Cause the first volume came out in late eighties, the second in the early nineties. And my father had handed it to me and I was just, I just, I just, I still remember the feeling I had. It was, um, I, I feel it's very bodily. Like I felt very, 
I, I think I felt warm inside reading it. It's very odd to say that. And I think part of what gave me a sense of warmth was that volume one really resonated with me. Volume one, remember, is before the major Holocaust narrative unfolds. And it's more about his his Art Spiegelman, the author and artist, his own um, coming to terms with his father's trauma. And that kind of vulnerable, self-reflective writing, I had never seen before um, yet in the context of trauma. And I was still quite young. I was still only an undergraduate. So that opened a world to me. And so what I did years later was, well, first I was, I was visiting with some cousins and, and they, he knew that my research specialty was Israel-Palestine. And he handed to me the book, the graphic memoir, journalistic memoir called Palestine by Joe Sacco. And it was my cousin, who's another professor in a similar field. And he said, I think your students will love this. And I flipped through it. And I said, they will love this too much. It was so raw. And the, his style of drawing was so raw, unlike um, Spiegelman, who uses animal uh, masks to create a little bit of distance with the reader. Th this style, Joe Sacco's style was more in the Mad Magazine um, uh, tradition, and it was very jarring. But I sort of screwed up my courage, and I decided to assign it. And it was such a powerful learning experience that soon after I created a course, a full standalone course called Graphic Novels and Graphic Memoirs and Political Identity. And what I found was in that space, my fourth year, my senior undergraduate students were able to relate to the issues being talked about. And it, it, it created a, a lot of self-disclosure on their part and a lot of... Um, a really sort of a, a safe space. I, I kind of hesitate to use that term. It's very misunderstood and overused and polemicized these days. But there was a sort of a safety with the both the intimacy and the distance afforded by the prose and visual medium. And so we one just one example was marbles about also about mental illness, but in this case the author's mental own mental health struggles. And that just opened, I recall, just such a a sense of um, discovery and maybe a little bit of personal healing around the edges for students as individuals and as a group as we were all talking and sharing and listening. Great. Thank you, Mira. What do you say, Rebecca? Why do you feel um, comics is a great space for you um, to talk about this, your Jewish identity, your experiences of Jewish motherhood right now? I'm curious, Sarah, if you feel the same way, but my memories, my thoughts, the way I process the world, it's not totally in it's in my head it's not totally visual and it's not totally words and actually the first time I saw a comic book and the first time I saw a graphic novel there was a moment of recognition of oh my god this person has captured what goes on in my head so on a real basic level it feels the most natural way to share <laughs> to share my experiences to share my um my memories to share as I look past to past generations and future generations. Um, rather than it being fragments, it feels like I can really only express myself when I use some combo combination of words and visual that feed off of each other. So really, it's the easiest way for me to express myself. There, There is a component of that. I find pure visual or pure writing much more challenging and doesn't capture what I'm thinking or feeling. Um, on another level, I recently did a project with uh, Jews for Racial and Economic Justice uh, called Unraveling Antisemitism. And I uh, spent three and a half years with my collaborator, my collaborator um, Rachel um, Shragis, in adapting their really um, groundbreaking analysis of antisemitism and how it operates today in the U.S. into a visual poster. And I contributed the collages that highlighted moments of um, challenge and resistance for Jews throughout history. And we were so ready once we released it to be hit by an onslaught of hatred, anti-Semitism, the whole deal online, um, in part because when J. Fridge originally released the paper that the poster was based on, those were the reactions. And we found something very different, that by releasing it in a visual form, in a poster form, that combined collage and a mind map and um engage people on a different level, they actually were able to take it in to connect with 
new, maybe for many people, challenging ideas about anti-Semitism, about Jewish community, um, because of the combination of visual and words. And that can really be the power of art, that it it kind of slips under our um, the walls that we might have up and allow us to encounter new ideas. That's really lovely. Thank you, Rebecca. I want to ask you one last question now, but also leading on to talk about your current project, is we Mira talks about the intimacy and distance of comics making. Do you find now, because you're making this new graphic memoir work about your son's circumcision, which is a very private experience in many ways, and yet you're about to you want to share it with the public. Do you think comics is for you a very comfortable vehicle for this kind of difficult project? I'm thinking about even more so these days that um, now that I have a child, that I have a son um, who is uh, still just speaking a handful of words, so really too young to consent to have his um, life be shared on the page. <sighs> what right do I have to share even my experiences of him and very intimate experiences of him and where are the borders um, between, I mean, me and him physically um, now, um, where are the borders between my experiences and his experiences? And when am I um, in a space where I'm sharing my own experiences and have the right to to do that? And when am I crossing that line and just sharing something that maybe he'll hate when he is older? Um, I know, Sarah, we've spoken a little bit about this with your child as well. Um, but I think a lot about this question. And all I can say is um, I'll make the best decisions that I can make right now and um, revisit when he's older and we can have these conversations. But once again, I think the best stories are the stories that you have to tell, right? That even if no one reads this comic, I have to tell it. I have to get it on the page um, for myself. I have to draw it and get it out of my head. And that makes me feel like I'm, I'm writing the right story. Wonderful. Rebecca, we look forward to reading it. Mira, what are you working on at the moment? I'm working. I love, uh, well, Rebecca's and my chapter for your volume was partly about the work and it was partly about the nature of collaboration and I really I I almost only want to work collaboratively from in, in now in my in my phase of career and so I am collaborating with a good friend and colleague named Omar Dajani who's a law professor I'm a political science professor and we're writing a book um, about Israel-Palestine, about diaspora, Jewish and Palestinian engagement. We're also working on a narrative podcast, so also stretching into a different medium. So the opposite of visual, the unvisual medium, um, and that will create all sorts of other opportunities and challenges. And uh, also a children's book with, uh, uh, can't um, announce the illustrator yet because I heard that the editor is the one who picks the illustrator, but it was the illustrator who invited us to work on this kind of project together. So I'm really hoping that works out. That sounds very exciting. Thank you, Mira. Thank you, Rebecca. And um, you can read their contribution to the collection in our book. I'm now going to introduce Ephraim Sicher, who is all the way in, in, in Jerusalem at the moment. Ephraim, do you want to tell us about yourself and tell us about your contribution to the volume? Yes, indeed. I'm an emeritus professor of English and comparative literature at Ben-Gurion University of the Negev in Beersheba, but I'm speaking to you from my home in Jerusalem, Israel. And uh, it's really a great pleasure uh, to be invited to uh, <clears throat> share with you uh, my uh, contribution to uh, Sarah's uh, co-edited book, um, which, I, as Sarah said, uh, my contribution was actually about Sarah's own uh, graphic novel, The Book of Sarah, and uh, Corinne Perlman's comic strip, uh, which ran in the Jewish Quarterly, um, now defunct, uh, which was a kind of liberal progressive uh, Jewish uh, magazine uh, <clears throat> that uh, ran for quite many years after the Second World War uh, till uh, just a few years ago. Um, and I think what brings both Sarah's work and the comic strip of uh, Corinne Perlman uh, together, um, one's a graphic novel and one's a comic strip that ran in uh, 
theory of form, um, but they share, I think, a, a fascinating um, and sometimes a very intimate uh, debate over their own identities growing up in Britain. Sarah has grown up in Northwest London, and uh, Corin Perman grew up in a very assimilated, uh, anglicised uh, family that didn't really want to have anything to do with the, the Jewish community. Um, <clears throat> uh, but both, I, I think, are, are interesting because they do uh, connect Jewish identities in the plural with the whole idea of bodies beyond borders. I mean, what do you do when you have left the Jewish community or you find yourself outside the Jewish community and yet you are uh, actually in your work uh, <clears throat> trying to work through your own ideas about identity. There's another, I think, uh, common denominator uh, that is uh, the, the form of confession, which I discuss in my uh, chapter, which is not in itself a, a Jewish uh, uh, genre particularly, um, and it's not even a comics genre exclusively. Uh, <laughs> goes back to Rousseau. Um, uh, but I, I think I, both um, Sarah and uh, Corinne do uh, bring out just how much their bodies, and this comes out very visually in Corinne's uh, uh, comic strip um, are um, on display before our eyes um, trying to work out how Jewish they are and what sense they're Jewish you know, what, what relationship they have with their own growing up uh, in very different uh, uh, circumstances but growing up and being asked well um, what kind of Jew are you um, and also thinking about themselves as Jewish artists. Um, I don't know what a Jewish artist really is. Uh, you are an artist. Uh, uh, it, what does it mean to be a Jewish artist and to be a Jewish woman artist? Now, um, this um, rather fortuitously um, connected with um, an interest I've had for many years uh, with uh, Jewish identities, starting off with my book back in 1985, Beyond Marginality, where I talked about uh, Jews who didn't really identify with the Jewish community or in some way outside the Jewish community who in the 60s and 70s uh, had written very, very critically about the uh, Jewish community, which, uh, unlike America, uh, is a very close-knit, very insular, uh, very highly uh, elitist uh, uh, community, um, mainly secular, uh, but um, very, very... Um, conscious of living in Britain and for many years uh, trying to keep a low profile. Okay, very, very different from uh, from the United States where you can be very loudly Jewish uh, uh, on, on the streets. And th- 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 at that time, I think it, that, that wasn't the case. Um, I was working um, also on two um, books, which actually formed the uh, same project, uh, um, Reenvisioning Jewish identities that came out with uh, uh, Brill in 2021 and uh, Postmodern Love, Renegotiating uh, Jewish Identities and Spaces that came out last year with, with Routledge. Um, uh, there's a really part of the same project, but the, the, the first book deals uh, with all forms of uh, uh, writing about Jewish identities. Uh, in, in novels, plays, uh, feminist art, uh, and uh, so on. Whereas the second uh, book is about the novel. And there I have a section on um, Sarah Lightman's uh, Book of Sarah, because I think it does connect in some way with a number of works that uh, express the uh, exiting from the Jewish community of a number of uh, Jewish women artists and writers, uh, just at the top of my head, I think of Naomi Olderman's Disobedience, which was turned into a film uh, a couple of years ago. Um, very different stories in a way, but they have in common this rebellion against a very claustrophobic uh, community in Northwest London. It's very materialistic uh, values or lack of values. Um, uh, and I came to comics um, 
as uh, uh, Mira mentioned, uh, obviously, uh, through Art Spiegelman, uh, someone who hadn't yet really dealt with graphic novels at all. And I was actually rather sceptical uh, about uh, Spiegelman's project um, uh, as, a, as, a, as an art form and, and about the Holocaust until I realised, of course, that it's not about uh, uh, the survivor's tale. It's about art's own story as a second-generation uh, survivor. And that was another project that I'd been working on. So that got me in for thinking about um, how comics um, uh, do deal with uh, identity. Um, and I, I was interested in Sarah's work. Uh, I, I was uh, uh, excited to see graphic details and to learn uh, about her curating uh, the exhibition. Um, <clears throat> so um, I, I, I started writing about uh, Sarah's work uh, before the publication of uh, the book of Sarah, and Sarah was very kind and let me see uh, some draft of the book, which was wonderful. It's exciting to be able to write about something that it, it, it hasn't yet actually been um, <clears throat> launched. Uh, 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 the Zetas of course, was that, um, of course, um, uh, the, the project was changing as Sarah um, thought through the, the, the narrative of, of the book. Um, so uh, I actually uh, did change my mind uh, some way about what I wanted to say, but uh, I decided to leave in the uh, rather lengthy passages about Sarah's uh, background and where, where she's coming from in, in this book, um, which was really about Midrash. And I thought well, that, that's, that was interesting because when you tell a story, uh, um, for example, the story of Sarah in the Bible, um, uh, you don't just uh, keep to the literal meaning of the words, but there is a whole life behind those words um, that has to be written or drawn. Um, and uh, I think it was only at a later stage I realised that um, um, Sarah's use of Midrash, like uh, many modern writers, um, was doing something um, that went beyond, again, beyond generic uh, borders uh, uh, and was talking about the body and talking about a female body and how Sarah came to be Sarah. And afterwards, when I actually met uh, Sarah and Harry, uh, um, I was actually quite surprised that they didn't seem to be anything like um, the, the Sarah and the Harry in the book. Uh, uh, because the book is about how they became uh, what they are now and how Sarah became uh, an artist. And uh, I, I think that that, uh, that that also helped me appreciate much more just also the, the purely technical uh, aspect of uh, Sarah's uh, work uh, uh, in the uh, book of Sarah and how she manages to convey these very... Uh, personal and, and very painful uh, feelings of um, becoming who, who uh, she is uh, now. Um, do you want to ask me anything? I just wanted to say that as an artist, it's really wonderful to be written about, to be understood, to be heard. And also there's plenty you might write, some of which I would understand as being true to me and some of it which is your interpretation and I'm not sure if it's true to me or true of what you think of me. So I have to kind of let that bit go. Um, but I think all artists, I mean, many artists want to just have a position within art history, a position within comics history. And for me to have you sympathetically and knowledgeably look at my work helped to kind of push me out into that place in the world. So I'm I'm very grateful for that. And that's kind of what you long for in a way. And I'm I'm lucky. And maybe that was also part of my intention in editing this volume was not to contribute an essay, but to have my work in it as part of this conversation about women's Jewish women's comics. So for me, anyway, I'm, I'm very grateful that you wrote about me, but I'm also very delighted that somebody with a lot of knowledge about Jewish life, Jewish literature, uh, Jewish um, kind of experience could write about me because you could read my graphic novel and not pick up many of those nuances that I put there. So that was very nice. But I also was, found it very fascinating 
that your the reality of meeting me versus meeting me in the book is a different thing. And I think that's quite interesting because later on when we talked to Jenny, the idea of this memory and nostalgia and the difference between the kind of thing that was experienced and the thing that's drawn about and expressed is kind of the space that she's actually writing about. But I just wanted to kind of finish with you, Ephraim, by asking you what you're working on at the moment. Um, and also, I suppose I just wanted to add, I was so pleased to include your work because often the history of Jewish women's comics is often a very North American affair. And you really kind of brought in and in, in, introduced, um, again, English, British women's work. And I think that's really important in the history of, of comics. So I'm very, that's another great service that you've done. But again, what are you working on now, Ephraim? What can we look forward to reading? Well, first of all, I just want to say that I hope I did not misunderstand uh, what you were trying to say in the book. Um, but I was, I was really looking at context. And I, I think one thing I was trying to do in my previous book, Postmodern Love, was to show that there are common uh, concerns, common themes, uh, which connect Israeli and diaspora culture. We live in a globalized world. And sometimes uh, people talk about North America or Jewish uh, American or American Jewish uh, writers as if it's a, a completely different world and um, on a different planet from, from Israel, not realizing that not only do many Israeli artists and writers work in, in the States and in Europe, uh, but that Jewish identities, again, uh, in the floor, um, are, are global. Uh, and I think this whole idea of a division between Israel and the diaspora is simply anachronistic nowadays. Uh, we live in, a, in, a, in an internet-connected world um, where there aren't borders. And uh, Again, there uh, are certainly ways you can understand that title, Borders and Boundaries. Um, um, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I have been working some time on um, thinking about mixed race uh, writers like um, Rebecca Walker and uh, Emily Rabatow, um, and how, again, the, the um, determination of colour and body uh, um, affect their uh, conflicted identities. Um, but the present project I, I, that uh, I've just finished, uh, in collaboration with Daniel Feldman at Baradan University, has uh, nothing to do with that, really. It's uh, actually going uh, uh, off in a different uh, direction than my other interest in Holocaust literature. And it's a book about um, Holocaust uh, writing um, during the Holocaust or immediately after the Holocaust by those who were there, um, talking about Holocaust literature as witnessing uh, the events in real time and what it means uh, to have... Uh, no subject position because you are already in the eyes of the Germans exterminated. Uh, you have no existence. And what does it mean to actually be on the death march and write poetry as Mikhail Shredudny did? Um, or uh, to be writing in the Warsaw Ghetto as Vladislav um, uh, of Schlengel uh, did uh, 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 not survive and leave uh, his uh, poems that which uh, are, are like messages in a bottle. Um, so that that's the uh, book that's coming out with Bloomsbury uh, in February 19 of 2024, uh, called Poesis in Extremis, uh, literary literary witnessing of the Holocaust, um, which I, I hope will try and change the conversation about what we mean by witnessing uh, through through literature. Thank you so much, Ephraim. We look forward to seeing that and hearing um, about it when it's published. Thank you very much. Now I'm going to introduce Jenny, Jennifer Kaplan. Um, and Jenny, would you tell us about yourself and talk about your contribution to this volume? Of course. And thank you so much, Sarah, for asking me to be part of this conversation. It's been so interesting to me to hear uh, from some of the other contributors. When you do an edited collection like this, you don't necessarily feel like you get a, a sense of understanding um, of what the other people are doing and the other pieces 
of it. So I've really, I've really enjoyed listening to this. Um, so I am the Jewish Foundation of Cincinnati Chair in Judaic Studies at the University of Cincinnati here in Ohio. Um, and I am uh, trained in religious studies, um, but I'm in the Department of Judaic Studies here. And I teach and research um, contemporary Judaism, American Judaism, um, uh, Judaism and popular culture, uh, any, anything that kind of covers the modern, however you want to construe that, um, contemporary Jewish experience. So to, uh, to Ephraim's point, I am certainly part of the problem for why so many of these conversations end up being very North America focused and, um, American focused. Uh, some of that is some of that is definitely uh, definitely my fault. So I, I I apologize for my part in that uh, that problem. Um, I'm found your work very interesting because firstly you articulated this moment in history when we suddenly realised we're not getting half the voices which happens in so many different art forms, you suddenly realise you've been following some... some, some There's been like a, a male narrative throughout that art form and it reminds you of all the alternatives you're not hearing. But also you explore a very interesting space between memory, nostalgia, kind of an imagined history, which is... Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Because you placed your essay within theory, but you also looked at various different comics and how they kind of approached the topic. Yeah. Um, so I, I came to this project in part because I, I teach a course in um, Jewish graphic novels. And I, one of the three sections, I have a section that's on the um, Jewish American immigrant experience. And, and that's where I have thinks Bintel Brief and Corman's and Terzakin. Um, and I have a section on Israel-Palestine, and then I have a section on the Holocaust. And uh, We Are On Our Own, Mary Patton's We Are On Our Own, is in that Holocaust section. And it was fascinating to me the way that students resisted the idea that her novel was a, that her memoir was a, a Holocaust story. Uh, because of the fact that they escape, essentially, you know, they, they don't get captured by the Nazis, they don't go to the camps. And so to my students, that meant it was potentially a story about World War II, or it was a story about World War II, but it wasn't a story about the Holocaust. And I already found that novel really interesting to think about and think with. And again, the fact that I keep calling it a novel, that's part of it is where is the line between memory and fiction between biography and autobiography. So in that book, she's telling her story, but it isn't really her memories because she's roughly 18 months old. When the, when the book starts, she doesn't remember these things. And there are a couple of moments throughout the book where she's talked in interviews about the fact that, that these moments represent her actual sense memories, that she remembers how loud a bombing was and she remembers how cold a particular night was. But otherwise, she's really just telling a story that somebody else has told to her, that, that her mother has told her, even though it's her own story. So that, I, I, I found that really interesting. And then combined with this idea that my students are, my students increasingly have a different notion of what constitutes a Holocaust narrative. Um, I, I was really very interested in these questions about what memory is, how memory works, um, where the line between what is our story and what is somebody else's story could be drawn. So that's when I decided to pull in these other two books that very much are not, they don't even purport to be memoir. They, they are works of fiction, but they are works of kind of an embodied 
memory of the Jewish past, of what it meant to be, in many cases, a woman as part of the Jewish past. And I, I found it, the more I started to put those three books in conversation with each other, the more I found it very, very generative and, and very productive to think about the way that all three of them kind of problematize our notion of what it is to remember. You know, people talk about the fact that that word remember kind of can be literally broken down into putting yourself back together, you know, putting your pieces remembering yourself, putting your arms or your legs back onto your body. Um, and so if the act of remembering is to literally reconstruct your body, what does it mean when we are trying to remember something that we cannot actually ever have firsthand memory of, um, or that we do have firsthand memory of, but we're never going to actually tap into those memories because we were an, an infant. Um, so what, what happens to the idea of memory when we stretch it to these extremes? I was thinking about when you talked in your essay, you talked about sometimes Miriam Katen, she goes outside the panels to express it, say like the loud bombing or certain kind of extraordinary moments. And I was going to ask you, what ways do you think the comics page is a particularly rich place to explore embodied memory or kind of in these kind of invented dash remembered moments? Do you think the comics page gives you a possibility of something that you might not be able to get in writing alone? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you obviously know that better than most, but I, I always do think that there is something deeply additive to the, the, the page in sequential art. Um, I, I don't know, in a lot of cases, I don't know if I would say that it's something that cannot be done with the written word, but it certainly cannot be done as economically and it can't be done necessarily with the same impact. You can eventually use enough words to describe something. I mean, a, a picture, I suppose, is worth a thousand words. It isn't worth an incalculable number of words. But with the comics page, with, with the panels, with the sequential art, she is able to, and, and artists in general, are able to communicate things to the reader, not only more quickly and efficiently, but on a, a, a deeper and a sometimes more sensory level than you're necessarily going to get just from the written word. So in, in some of the examples that you mentioned and, and that I was talking about, you know, she, she discusses that there are a few places in the book that she remembers. And her, through most of the book, her art style is extremely precise. She uses very, very fine line drawings, beautiful, very... Um, very crisp pencil line drawings. There's a, on one of the first pages of the book, there's this beautiful pencil line drawing of Budapest that is, is so detailed. Um, and as much as I don't like reading graphic novels um, on the computer, I actually bought the ebook of that because I wanted to be able to zoom further and further into that image and, and see how the depth of the line work that she did there. It's, it's extremely precise. Um, and then in these moments where she is tapping into her two-year-old, three-year-old self's sensory memories, all of that precision goes out the window and you get these very rough, chaotic, thickly drawn, thickly scrawled words and images that break out of the borders of the panel that that lose that sense of control um, and that really convey that this is a memory she's had. This is the way a three-year-old would experience hiding in the dark and listening to a bombing and, and feeling a bombing, the, the way that that just felt like noise and fear and chaos. And so the, the visual juxtaposition and the contradiction between the way that that panel looks and the way that 
the way that the panels of her uh, adult self um, drawing look, um, that that visual juxtaposition is something that, while I'm not saying that a very gifted writer couldn't describe that in words, you couldn't describe that in words as immediately for the reader. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. I know you've just got a new book out at the moment. Yes, I do. Yes. Yeah, so um, my first book just came out a couple of months ago. Um, Funny, You Don't Look Funny. Uh, Judaism and Humor from the Silent Generation to Millennials. Um, And so that is looking at, uh, at this point, basically 70 years, 60, 70 years of American Jewish humor and the way that it interacts with... um, with Judaism and, and the way that comedians interact with, uh, with Jewish texts, Jewish rituals, Jewish ideals. Um, and then I am transitioning this year to working on a book about uh, comic books, predominantly about DC and Marvel comics and uh, Jewish identity therein, not just in the comics, but I'm going to talk about the cinematic universes as well and, and television and, and just sort of the way that the way that the the slow introduction of explicitly Jewish characters into these universes mirrors some patterns in American Jewish identity and integration. So again, I apologize to Ephraim. I'm keeping the story very, very North American uh, in my next project as well. But I will say that um, the other reason I was really interested in listening to Mira and Rebecca is that I am a, I'm also embarking on my first collaborative project um, with another scholar, and we're we're writing a piece about Jewish popular culture, and we've decided that not only are we just kind of without asking permission going to cover nothing but women, um, and we're probably not even going to mention it. We're just going to like let that be there that all of our examples just happen to be women, um, and we're we're working very hard on. Um, making it international as well. So Sarah, you're actually one of the figures that we're, we're talking about how, what puzzle pieces to fit together. But yeah, we, we were, uh, we were excited about potentially including you in that chapter. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to more collaborative work. I'm looking forward to uh, working full time over the next year on issues about sequential art and comics and, and graphic novels and all of that. Thank you so much, Jenny. That's lovely to hear. And we look forward to reading your new book. I really look forward to reading about myself again. Um, So thank you all, um, Mira, Rebecca, Jenny and Ephraim for contributing to today's discussion. I've really enjoyed hearing what you have to say, meeting you in some kind of virtual person, as opposed to just reading your essays and also hopefully sharing with our listeners, but also with you, um, the contributors, um, just what a wonderful project we've done together. Um, So once again, thank you, Mira, Jenny, Ephraim and Rebecca for contributing to Jewish Women in Comics, Bodies and Borders, a collection I edited with Heike Bauer and Andrea Greenbaum and currently on sale um, and published by Syracuse University Press. Thank you all very much.